0: This is a red solo cup. It's not alcohol. It's iced tea.
1: Just, oh. I'm
0: not. I'm not getting drunk while I'm talking to you. I'm not day drinking right now.
1: You can't. Actually, I am. So don't feel bad.
0: So. <laughs> I love it. Is that like a cabre- cab- Cabernet? Is that, it is. is that a, okay. Good hey, call. I'm, yeah. I'm
1: good. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue. In an age of echo chambers and self-segregation, pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we discuss all the topics that you are told not to discuss in play company. My name is Jose, and I am joined by Ramon Kempamore, the host of Dad's Podcast Project. This week, I will be interviewing Robin Shelby, the woman who played Slimer in Ghostbusters 2. Um, So, Ramon, go ahead and just let us know a little bit about yourself before we dive into the podcast here. So, I am a
2: machinist by trade. I am a father first and podcaster, YouTube creator, just doer of things. I, I find myself always looking into just the most random things online and just going down that rabbit hole until I can figure out what's going on with it, such as programming or watching old movie clips yeah that's pretty much that's what i do with my time i guess i'm, I'm on youtube nice what you drinking right now i got a tall glass of ice water
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice i'm drinking a guinness extra stout oh there we go uh it's 5.6 percent alcohol by volume i love guinness um i mentioned in the last podcast that um, I used to love going to the bars and getting Guinness on the tap. But, uh, yeah, I haven't been going to bars lately. So kind of a bummer. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge
2: fan of water. H2O, as the scientific community often refers to it. And, um, yeah, no problems getting water here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. So is it how tall is your glass of water?
2: Oh, man, I got it in one of these, like, Walmart High Sierra thing so i'm i'm thinking it's like 32 ounces it's not even written on here yeah i try to down like at least a gallon of water a day so wow That's a lot of water it is you are gonna get water wasted over there <laughs> hey the kids are asleep it's uh it's my time right now
1: yeah <laughs> time go crazy in that water <laughs> And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Ramon and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes Though we tend to be a bit long-winded so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, since I interviewed Robin Shelby, aka Slimer, I wanna talk about ghosts real quick. Uh, So if you are a member of the Catholic Church, for example, Uh, The church doesn't have a particular uh, stance when it comes to the existence of ghosts. Some say, yeah, ghosts are real. Others kind of err on saying no, they're probably not. There's no definitive teaching, so you're free to believe as you will. Before I really dive in here, uh, one, ghost, the word ghost actually it has its roots in German. The German word for spirit, which is Geist, that's the origin of our word for ghost. Yeah, but it means spirits. There's in the church we would look at uh, three types of spirits. There's angelic spirits, demonic spirits, and then the spirits of the dead. To that third category. In the Old Testament, there are several examples of ghosts or spirits. So in 1 Samuel, the witch of Endor, she calls up the spirit of Samuel, the prophet. In 2 Maccabees, Judah Maccabee, he meets the ghost of Onias, who is a high priest. So we already see ghosts in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, um, the apostles, some of the apostles, they um, go up the mountaintop with Jesus and they see the ghosts of Elijah and Moses. So those are spirits of people, not angels, not demons, but ghosts of people. And then even in, I believe it's Matthew, when the apostles are on the sea, they see Jesus walking on the water, and they immediately assume he's a ghost. So that kind of tells you right there that in their time, they did believe in ghosts. Um, And so that's just, those are just a couple of biblical examples from the Old and New Testament about the existence of ghosts. Um, But usually when we talk about ghosts, it's haunting. Spirits will take over a house or a location, um, or they'll possess a person, or just paranormal activities are occurring. Usually these would be demonic, of a demonic nature. Um, These are creatures who are trying to inspire fear, terrorize um, inhabitants. And, and basically, these the purpose of these demons is for the ruin of souls. And so, just to wrap up here, you know, we don't want to call Ghostbusters for, the, <laughs> for these ones. What works every time is prayer. Call on the name of Jesus. You can get your holy water. If you're really scared, call your priest. Do an exorcism. But, uh, yeah, when it comes to ghosts, the church kind of doesn't really have an official... Uh, teaching, you're free to believe either way, but I do think there's some biblical warrant for saying that yeah, ghosts are are real. But that's my Fred talk. Trying to keep it short and sweet. Sometimes <laughs> I tend to ramble. So, what you got, uh, Ramon? Well, for me, it's I guess it's something that I was kind of interested in
2: for a little bit, and it was the whole right to repair. I don't know if you've heard about this, but in my last class that I took. I had to write a thesis on a topic, and so I picked the right to repair. And what that is in a nutshell is if you ask yourself, can you fix something on your own? And that answer is no, then inherently you, in some way, shape, or form, do not have the right to repair that object, which you should. And it goes back to automobiles. Uh, Back in the day, you would be able to just change your oil out yourself. However, car manufacturers now are doing things to vehicles in order to make it difficult for the consumer to service their own vehicle. And now things like changing out drain plugs to where it's like a plastic drain plug that you can't remove. And if you remove it, well, you have to order one through the manufacturer or it may be impossible to order one and you have to circumvent all these different outlets to try to find one. And so thus making something as simple as changing the oil on your car easy for you. And so I had to look into both sides of the argument. Like, why would someone, why would a company not want the consumer to be able to service their own products? Because if you look way back in the day, like, the 60s and the 50s, like when they were releasing refrigerators and washer dryers, you would have like a repairman who could come to your house, or you would take the item to a repair shop and they would fix it for you. And so the job space of the repairman has become smaller and smaller over the years because of technological advances in, say, computers, cell phones, things of that nature. And it was my coworker actually who would tell me, you know, you used to be able to just fix your own things. You, you didn't you never had to go out and like return an item. And so I then switched gears and looked into things like the iPhone cuz Apple was just really big in the news for being difficult when it came to repairing your your device or what you would need to do to get your device repaired. Everything seemed to be ridiculously expensive in fixing an Apple device. And case in point was something like the battery. Now for a long time before They finally came out in the open with the fact that they were, in fact, slowing down people's devices in order to conserve battery power. The easy fix would have been to just replace the battery, but they didn't let anybody know that that's what you could do. People just thought, my phone is getting slower. This new one is now two, maybe three times faster, however they were advertising it at the time. And they would just go out and pay another $1,100. For a brand new phone, as opposed to $75 or a battery, and then your phone is back to running the way it did when you first had it. So that was one of the things where I went in and I took my phone in and I said, Give me a new battery because I don't want to spend $1,100 on a new phone. And it's one of those issues where I couldn't do it myself. If I were to open the phone myself, it would void the warranty. And if I damaged anything, I would be out. My device completely. And I didn't think about this until I was trying to fix one of my son's toys that even even something as simple as a toy where the batteries just don't work anymore. And I know how electronics work. I figure maybe a wire just is messed up. I'll just open it up real quick and take a look before we throw this toy away. Not only after removing all of the screws would the toy not come apart, but it was actually glued and then like clip sealed all the way around so if i wanted to open it i would need to break the toy in order to to open it so at the end i just had to throw it away because it was done and it's things like that the inability to to be able to service your own devices that caught my interest it's just the rabbit hole goes long and deep on this from the i I did mention from the manufacturer standpoint they don't want consumers to injure themselves. They feel that, well, if you know Ramon is out there putting a new battery in his iPhone and he shocks himself, he might sue us. And that's a big problem. If I want to get my car serviced, because the car the automobile um, industry, they they fought this fight a long time ago, you can go to you know Bob's auto body shop and get your car worked on for a third of the price that you could if you went to the dealership. And it's that competitive market that allows for competitive pricing. But with consumer electronics, you have to go to the manufacturer.
1: Wow. That's a great Fred talk, Ramon, because it just shows you to the depth and degree that companies want to make their money and keep people who are handy from you know fixing their products. I am not handy at all. I would just go somewhere, (laughs) you know. But uh, for people like you who are into that field and career, I'm sure you could do it or find somebody who knew how to do it for cheap.
2: Yeah. Something strange.
1: All right, so in this segment of our show, we are joined by the lovely Robin Shelby. Welcome to our show, Robin.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Before we begin, I just want to say that for me, this is super exciting because I grew up with Ghostbusters. Um, I used to love the cartoon, the serial, the action figures, everything, and uh, I went to the drive-in to watch Ghostbusters 2. I love it. Growing up, Slimer was very integral to the whole Ghostbusters kind of mythology. And so, yeah, just being able to sit here with you is incredible. Aww. It's a, it's like my childhood dream come true. So
0: I'm a big geek. You'll realize that pretty quickly. So it's all good.
1: Awesome. Um, and on that note, I, I just was taking a peek at your Instagram page and saw that you mm-hmm. had posted that you're making a drink for Ghostbusters Day. What is that?
0: Yes, it's called the Slimer. Um, and I just decided to share a, a recipe, a drink recipe that I came across, and it seemed perfect for, for Ghostbusters Day. So my husband and I shot it um, and he'd edited, he edited it. He did a great job putting it together. Uh, it's fun music. It keeps it fun and light. And the drink is really good, too. So go to my Instagram um, and, and check it out. And, um, yeah, make the drink. It's perfect. It's a very sweet drink. So, yeah, I'll be having a, a Slimer drink watching the movie probably myself over here. So,
1: Well, I'll be doing the same thing, Ben. I'll, I'll take your <laughs> recipe there. <laughs> good, good. So for, for the sake of our listeners, just take a minute maybe and let us know your background, your bio.
0: Um, I started out um as a kid doing musical theater and fell in love I was about eleven. I did my first show. Um I was in like sixth grade um and just immediately was taken with it. It was kind of an escape when I started doing theater. Um my, my parents were every kid so many kids have been through divorce. My parents are getting divorced. That was my kind of creative escape that I could go to and uh and, and have fun and that's where it all started. From there I, I wanted to pursue it professionally. And by the time I was 16, I was getting paid to do theater. I was doing professional theater. And I've done a lot of musicals. I love doing musical theater. It's it's really my favorite.
1: So you mentioned that you got into acting. What uh, caused you to catch that acting bug?
0: You know, I I think growing up, I used to watch old reruns of The Carol Burnett Show. Watching old TV shows as a really little kid got me a sense of comedy and enjoying performance and watching other people being funny. And that's kind of what got me into it.
1: You are funny. You have a great vibe and everything about you. So you're
0: you're sweet. Thank uh, you.
1: So you're in acting. You're doing some musicals, theater. How did you get into movies? So I know you were involved with Willow, right? Mm-hmm. What did you That's do in exactly. that movie?
0: That's how I got involved. Um, I was living in the Bay Area uh, near San Francisco, um, in a town called San Jose, and I went to went to high school in Sunnyvale, California. Went to Fremont High. Hello, Fremont, high people, um, and and I I just submitted my picture resume to an agent in San Francisco, the city of San Francisco, and they started sending me on some auditions. And one of them happened to be for a movie called Willow, um, and it was basically a troll that uh, gets torn apart. He meets Willow on the top of a bridge and gets eaten by a two-headed hydra monster. If if you've seen the movie,
1: yeah, I've seen that. I've okay, that's you. That's oh wow. I'm gonna go well, actually, back and watch Willow then.
0: I'm the special effect. When you see, when you see the Hydra monster grab and, and he's like fighting, the two heads are fighting to eat eat the, the troll, uh-huh. yeah, that's, that's me.
1: You're being, me. you're the one being ripped apart. Or I got whatever. destroyed,
0: I got destroyed.
1: <laughs> and I heard that you were sick or you had a fever or something about that time?
0: Actually, the, the first, <laughs> check this out, my first big gig on the movie, and I'm supposed to be on the set at like seven or eight in the morning, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up with like a 102-degree fever, 103-degree fever throwing up. Oh, wow. And this was a stunt. Basically, what I had to do was like kind of heavy-duty stunt work. And my dad at the time, he called in sick. He was working. He called in sick, packed me in the back of the car with pillows and a blanket, drove me there. And um, and I was able to do My dad stayed with me to make sure I was okay. And I did that whole first day of, of work. I don't know how I got through it, but I did. Um, being suspended from a bar about 15 feet up in Ooh. the air, and then and then being kind of tossed into a, a mat below. But I did it, and I didn't throw up. I was so proud of myself. I did not throw <laughs> up. Uh, uh, yeah, but and that's that's how I got introduced to industrial light and magic. And then about a year later, they were looking for someone to to portray Slimer, and they said, "You know, Robin, that we worked with on Willow. Why don't we have her audition?" And that's how I got that's how I got Ghostbusters.
1: That is so awesome. But Ghostbusters Two came out yes. in eighty nine. Yes, had you watched the first Ghostbusters? Did you watch the real Ghostbusters cartoon?
0: I gotta be—I've never really been a cartoon, personally, a, car, a big cartoon person on Saturday mornings. A huge Ghostbusters fan. So I was kind of like a kid in the candy store when I found out what I was going to be working on when I got the job, because I was a fan and got asked to be part of the sequel to a movie that I adored. So, um, yeah, as a fan like you, like everybody else, how can you not, right? It's such a great yeah. movie.
1: I can't imagine, yeah. like, watching a movie and seeing a character and then just a few years later, you're that character.
0: It's a little, it's kind of, there's it's, it's sort of some pressure because Slimer is a very beloved character from the first film. And stepping into the shoes of portraying that character, you don't want to disappoint people. You don't want to disappoint the fans. So I just wanted to do a good job. You have yeah. to leave that at the door though, when you're working, you kind of can't have that in your head. I just had to go in and listen to what they wanted and have fun and uh, and just be there in the moment and, and take direction and not, not, I didn't I didn't want to think about how, how big it was. I just wanted to have a good time doing it.
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense. Cause that could be a lot of pressure.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And you can't really be yourself and, and do your best job in, in any job if you're totally stressed out. So I, I didn't want to do that to myself, so. Yeah, and and the people I worked with were amazing at at just letting me relax and have fun, and uh, we all became a, a family and in the six weeks that, I, that that we were doing that. I just I, I loved each and every one of them; they're phenomenal.
1: Six weeks—that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so the first actor who portrayed Slimer was uh, Mark Brian Wilson. Have you had a chance Correct. to meet with him and talk to him?
0: Oh yeah, we've done a lot of events together. We're friends. We've become friends. Um, we met simply because we were doing either uh, like a Ghostbusters event or convention, and um, he's 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 quite the sweet person. I really like him, he's he's great.
1: That's gotta be really cool for the fans to be able to go and meet both Slimers. Um, you kind of alluded to it, but what was the process of being cast as Slimer in Ghostbusters too? So you were kind of familiar, you were kind of already known by ILM, but what was, kind of give us some more background about what that was like.
0: When I auditioned, I I didn't know what it was for. They wouldn't say. So I basically showed up and they walked me through a few scenarios, um, just kind of just being zany and crazy and grabbing things and and running around. And they wanted to see if I could physically just go nuts and and have fun. And then it wasn't until after my audition and I got home, I found out what it was for. And I lost my mind. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. You're kidding (laughs)
1: <laughs> that has to be crazy to to try to act while wearing a suit. What's what is that like?
0: You probably you might have seen this online. There's some there's some rehearsal footage of us all working together for Slimer. It's totally different when you're acting as we are right now as human beings. A little lift of an eyebrow can read um, when you have a camera on you, but um, in, in a character costume, you have to learn how it moves, what it looks like, what it takes to to show excitement or fear you really have to rehearse and watch it and see what it does you generally have to be a little bit bigger and kind of have your energy go outside of the costume otherwise it wouldn't even read if you were just being normal if you will um so that's what the rehearsals were all about um the puppeteers and i and there's like six puppeteers myself the the director um we're all working together for a while just to kind of learn what Slimer could do um, with the face wow. and the body movements and stuff. So,
1: so that's quite a costume, the Slimer costume. What was, was the so process heavy. like? for? Yeah, what was it like? How'd you get it on? Yeah. How long did it take?
0: We had a, co- a customer, uh Kamala, and she basically uh, took about, usually, it started out about 40, 45 minutes. Um, and it took a while to, to initially get into it. You had the the arms, you had the the body piece. Uh, I had leotards underneath that and I had, and and then the head had to come on at very last. That's the last thing that we put on. We got it down to probably like 20, 25 minutes. Um, as we kept working, but it was, it was, it it was hot, but it was heavy. That was probably the biggest uh, thing that I had to work with and get over is just, just the, 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 the weight of it all. I'm four foot 11. I'm not a big girl, Um, And so it's with that much weight, because inside the head, there was like motors and servos and wires. And it was every piece of that was was operational and could move. So there's a lot of weight to it. A lot of weight to it.
1: Yeah, because you were doing all the physicality, but Mm -hmm. there were operators doing the facial features and whatnot. Correct.
0: There there are operators like there be one person on the eyes, a person on the, the lips. The tongue even moved. The nose could sniff. The eyebrows could shift. But that's how they got such great expressions out of him, too. So, yeah. So we all had to coordinate. My activity and my body movements have to match what they were doing at the same exact time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's where the rehearsals came in. We all had to kind of know what, what we were all doing. And they were they're, they're so amazing. They're amazing.
1: Yeah, I was watching that rehearsal footage on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll put a link to it in my show notes because it's amazing. It's so um, much fun, isn't it? It's, wow. You You really get to see the process because you're... Being all animated, and you're eating all this food, and you can see the people behind the scenes like pushing these buttons, and it's it's so fun. And they're they're yelling at you, try it like this. And then um, one moment that I thought was hilarious was uh, I guess they're kind of going through the different expressions that you could do with the mask. They start to apply the the slime that's all over the mouth, and you kind of lick one of the guys who's got a beard. That it's was our so onset fun.
0: director. That was okay. our on-set director uh, Tim Lawrence. He he's recently passed, so watching it was you know it's beautiful to have that on tape to have forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I and that was kind of planned. And if you look if you look at Tim's face, he almost looks like he's not too thrilled with it. But he knew what was going on.
1: Uh-huh. He was
0: aware. He he was aware. He knew what was happening.
1: Yeah, he kind of had this look like. I can't believe you're doing that, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, oh
0: he, he was incredible. He organized, he basically, he was the guy who kind of put all of us together and put us through our paces and uh, he was, he's good. He's relentless though. He was like a, a slave master. Okay guys, one more time. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. He was great though. He was really great.
1: I also read, and I don't know if you knew this at the time, but apparently Slimer was inspired by um, the recently deceased John Belushi. Did anyone tell you that? Did that factor into your portrayal at all?
0: I had heard rumors of that too, even while I was working on it. I kind of kept him in the back of my mind with his craziness. But I guess two words that come to mind with, with John Belushi is reckless abandonment. Yeah. He just knew how to just be zany. And that's that's what I tried to adopt, although nobody ever said this I want you to emulate this person, John Belushi. They, no one ever said that. Um, but I kind of kind of knew, kind of uh-huh. had that, that information.
1: It makes sense when you kind of, I guess, look at the uh, character and you know that all those people were on SNL together. That makes, it makes a lot of sense. And then actually I had a follower um, on Twitter, Holly Rodriguez. She asked a question, um, did you get to keep the suit? And if not, uh, where is the suit? And did you take anything from the set?
0: I was given the tongue, With the, it was the latex tongue. It had a motor inside it, but I still had, it's in a glass case here in my house. Oh, wow. There was probably, I think, three total that were used, but they gave me one of those. And they gave me a maquette, which is a little model. And they made like 14 of them, I think. And all of them have slightly different colors, so Ivan Reitman could look at it and decide okay, this is what we're going for. And they they gave one to me at the end of the shoot. It's been through two major earthquakes, and it's still around. It's still okay.
1: But hopefully there are no major earthquakes that will disturb that.
0: With everything else going on, that's all we need right now, right? No.
1: (laughs) Well, it is 2020, so...
0: I know. (laughs) Bring it on, right?
1: (laughs) Get it all out right now. (laughs) The thing I observed was that uh, Slimer has more of a story in Ghostbusters 2 than in the first one and, the, and actually Slimer in Ghostbusters 2 is more animated and it has more expression I guess than in the first one did that make it more fun for you to portray the character?
0: I really tr- I tried not to even have it in the back of my mind what they did with Slimer in in one. Mm-hmm. because I knew that they had some ideas of what they wanted on a Slimer for Two, and I just had to listen to what Tim Lawrence was was saying on the set and, and give them what they wanted. You're right, Slimer did change. Um, even the look of him is a little bit more um, kid-friendly, if you will, a little, mm-hmm. a little bit more, more like the cartoon. I think it was inspired by the Ghostbusters, um, by, by the cartoon Slimer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you notice, he's a little bit friendlier um, in Ghostbusters 2. He's trying to be more helpful. Yeah. um in, in, in ghostbusters too um so that that kind of evolved a little bit from from one to two
1: yeah I love that moment in ghostbusters too when you're uh, at slimer driving the bus yeah what was that like
0: well I, I wasn't obviously really driving a bus but um, yeah. i I kind of had the hat on and a and wheel and they put obviously me into the, the what they'd already shot with the robust uh-huh. um that was that was so much fun there was a scene that got cut everyone knows slimer picks up Lewis but what they not everyone knows is that Slimer actually drops Lewis off mm-hmm. and gets off the bus with Lewis, wanting oh. to go with him. And and Lewis uh, basically says no. And he goes, but with those arms, we need to go bowling sometime. Um, <laughs> and... And he licks licks Lewis and, and flies off. He gets all happy because they're going to get together and go bowling. But yeah, he actually, he, he picks them up and you kind of wonder what happened. So that, that scene kind of, uh-huh. for time, I guess it got cut. But it was, that, that scene was so much fun to shoot, getting off the bus. And they had already shot Rick Moranis, who's my idol. He's brilliant. Oh, Simply so brilliant. Like one of my all-time favorites. Um, and they gave me the tape of what they shot in New York with him. Minus Slimer, obviously. And I had to learn the timing and his dialogue so I know exactly when to react um, to what was already shot. And I remember sitting in the hotel room, listening to it about 200 times and the, without exaggerating and just kind of going through my mind and being ready for the day of shooting. And everybody was just on, like the puppeteers and everybody just came together. And I think that day, at the end of that that day of getting off the bus, everybody just stopped and applauded each other. And I was so bummed that that got cut. I mean, it happens in every film, it happens, but I would love to see it put together. So ILM, if you're listening, Sony, if you're listening, I would love to see that put together. Cause it's just, I think it'd be fun, it'd be fun to see.
1: Yeah. I don't know why they don't put that on the deleted scenes feature exactly. or something on one of the DVD exactly. releases.
0: That would be awesome. That would be awesome.
1: Um, you mentioned Industrial Light and Magic, mm-hmm. ILM, and they're the creative geniuses who brought us Star Wars, of course. Yes. Um, What was that like to have to act against a blue screen with no characters, with um, a bunch of people all contributing to your performance, basically, in the suit? Is that chaotic, or what's that like?
0: No, it's not chaotic, and and they were so helpful. That's where my acting background in theater came into play, because you have to imagine a lot when you're in front of a blue screen, and the actor that, that you're doing the scene with is not there, they've already shot their stuff. So it's basically, it's, uh, you have to put yourself in that scenario and it's acting inside a latex costume. So it's difficult, but but I, I just, it's a fun challenge. And like I said, the people that I was, I was working with, Tim and the whole crew did everything that they could to help me out and bring us all together and give the best performance out of everybody. So yeah. they made it really easy, um, they really did. But yeah, you, you rely on your imagination in, in, uh-huh. in situations like that sometimes you're looking at like a tennis ball on a wire and yeah, that's uh-huh. that's your eyeline and again you're not looking at an actor you're looking at a tennis ball but you got to bring your acting ability with you
1: oh i can't even imagine so that shows your acting chops uh, your your ability to do that okay so you mentioned that there were people on the set kind of helping you mm-hmm. but was ivan reitman there was he there part of the process too did you get to meet him
0: he came in, and Bill Murray uh, at the same time, but he came in to talk to Tim, who was the onset uh, island director, and all the crew, so he could discuss what it was he was looking for out of each scene. So everybody heard from Ivan, okay, here's the clip, this is what I want Slimer to do, this is what I want the Scalery brothers to do, and he would just talk over all the scenes and what he expected. And they were there, I think, I want to say... Bill was there for one day. I think Ivan came in for two. And again, I was a kid in a candy store listening to Ivan Reitman talk about the film, seeing clips that nobody else in the world was watching. And I got to be part of creating this iconic, amazing character. So I just had to pinch myself half the time I was, I was on the set. So yes, he did come in. He wasn't there while we were shooting. Um, Michael Gross, who was the executive producer, was on the set quite a bit while we were shooting. Um, and he was a great support as well. Um, He was there kind of giving feedback and and even coming up to me and and giving me support, saying, you have one more in you. You can do this. All right. He was we became friends uh, after the film as well. And just an amazing man.
1: Did you have a sense while you were working on this film that this would become iconic, that this would be like cult classic, I guess?
0: The difference. This is interesting because some people start on a film that's not a sequel, not knowing that it's going to blow up and become an iconic film. Now, Ghostbusters, I was coming into a sequel of a film that I already knew was already a a cult, iconic film that people loved. So it was a little different. I was hoping that the fans would be happy. But I kind of knew I was part of something big at the time just because of the franchise, what it was.
1: Like I said, I saw that movie at the drive-in. I must have been like five years old. And that movie actually scared me more than the first one. at, at,
0: At five, what was your reaction to some of the scenes?
1: Oh, that um, Vigo totally scared me. Like <laughs> of course, his, at
0: five. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then the the ooze, that kind of bubbly stuff coming up, yep. and how it kind of fed off people's emotions. That freaked me out. The whole underground <laughs> river of that was horrifying, but I loved it.
0: <laughs> did I liked being brothers, Did the did the courtroom scene freak you out?
1: Or no? That didn't. That didn't scare me. No. Okay. Cool. I don't know why cool. that didn't scare me, but this painting did. <laughs> <laughs> So random.
0: And he but shot Vigo. The, the the guy who is playing Vigo shot right next to me, basically all on ILM soundstage for the most part. So we were all together. The same with Jim Fai, who did the Statue of Liberty. Oh. Uh, we all were shooting within, you know, just like feet of each other almost.
1: Did you get to meet those guys then?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Like Jim Fai and I, uh, he also, he was, he, he did the Statue of Liberty. He did the Ghost Jogger. He's wonderful. We were both, Two kind of unknown actors working on this film together. And we had a bond from the very beginning because we were both kind of, oh, wow, look what we're doing. We're, we're new, we're just kind of um, excited together. We became, we're, we talked to each other today. We're, we're really good friends. Um, so yeah, so we, we definitely got to know each other really well. He's great. He's an amazing guy.
1: That's cool. Um, and then one of the other videos I watched on YouTube, because I, d- I did my research before coming yes, into this. Yes, you
0: did. You're good. Um,
1: <laughs> Oh, Thank you. Um, I watched your interaction with Bill Murray. That was so adorable. You're like this petite 19 year old, right? Yep. And you could just tell you were starstruck by Bill Murray. What was that like?
0: I was, like I said, came in the candy store looking at and I'm, I'm a huge SNL fan. I was then. Um, yeah. I've been an SNL fan forever. And you're looking at like Bugs Bunny in front of you live. You know, it's like, it's, it's yeah. that kind of reaction, like, oh my goodness. And, um, and I just so respect his, his comic ability and he's amazing. There are people that look at that tape and they insist that Bill Murray was trying to flirt on the set. Oh. I, I, I think, I think he was just being random and just being Bill Murray, but he did physically pick me up. I don't know if you saw that in the, yeah. he, he goes, he goes, hey, can you take a fall? And <laughs> he just <laughs> and he picks me up, lifts me over his head, uh-huh. um, and then he <laughs> and then he puts me down. And he goes, okay, get into the costume as if I'm playing Slimer. And he he's just so silly. And that night that he was there, I tell the story all the time. It's so much fun. He kind of brought in music and drinks and turned the whole soundstage into his own personal little party at ILM. Again, kid in wow. the candy store. I couldn't believe I was part of that.
1: That's amazing. I love Bill Murray, and he, he's someone who's become iconic he's in amazing. in Hollywood. Oh. He's
0: so random. He's so you just uh, p- people probably figure this out. You just don't know what to expect what he might say, what he might do. He's and he's as nice as I had hoped he would be when I met him. Uh, uh. He just when I met him on on the set that day, he couldn't have been sweeter. He was very nice.
1: Uh, that's kind of one of my dream experiences—is is to meet uh, Bill oh. Murray. I know he's had these moments where he's kind of like snuck up on or approached just random people and said, "Like nobody will believe you that this happened."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I totally believe that he—that he would do that, absolutely, absolutely. That is
1: awesome. Uh, did you get to meet anyone else from the cast, like Dan Aykroyd or Harold Ramis or Ernie Hudson?
0: I, I, I'm I'm friends with Ernie. We've done some events together and. He's one of the kindest, um, most generous person with his fans. Um, the very first convention I did, it was in Cincinnati, Horror Hound. Oh, my gosh. William Atherton, Slavica, um, and and myself and Ernie. And I was just down the way from Ernie watching him with, with people. I learned so much just watching him, but he's so gracious and just so giving. And um, he's he's not only talented, but he really appreciates the people who come out to appreciate him he's he's great so yeah the only person i i sadly didn't meet was harold ramus oh. um and and i i would have loved to have thanked him for for being one of the creators of something that allowed me to experience so much but i never i never got to do that
1: so yeah truly um a loss with harold um
0: i i agree i agree
1: with with ernie hudson that guy is awesome i love he Ernie is. Hudson.
0: and so talented i think he's underrated i, I think people don't Realize how absolutely, completely talented he is. He's he's really good.
1: I was watching him in Grace and Frankie on yes. Netflix. So yes,
0: yes, isn't he great? I, he yeah, he's, he's and like I said, as nice as he is, talented, just a, just a good human being.
1: Re- looking back, how has being Slimer? How did that role change your life?
0: I think just being allowed to being part of the franchise has allowed me to meet a lot of the fans to travel. To, to uh to different events and get to meet different people in different areas of the world even um it's i i think it's opened up some doors of just being part of something that's bigger than me the ghostbusters franchise is an amazing thing to be a part of and i'm lucky you know it's like it's surreal that i'm even a small part of that that whole franchise but yeah. it's opened up a lot it's opened, and i've met met a lot of people and made friendships that i i'll have forever because of it so
1: it doesn't sound like you're one of those actors who kind of loathe the character after a while, like, oh, why am I associated with this person? That's not you. I,
0: no, I kind of don't understand an actor if if it's brought you um some money and fame and allowed you to work and is part of who you are, um why why would you not embrace part of part of your history and part of who you are and part of your work? I'm, i am I'm, I'm, I'll always embrace. No matter what happens, I'll always embrace slimmer and, and being part of it. I just, yeah, that's just me.
1: Yeah. And and I have, to, okay, full disclosure, 2013, which mm-hmm. was seven years ago, I actually got to meet you and talk with you and I interviewed you for my buddy's podcast, Toxic Graveyard. And what city was that in? This was at the LA Days of the Dead convention.
0: Yes, of course. Of course, of course, of course. Yes, I remember that. Okay. I got it. Yes. Yes. Hopefully, I, I was okay for you to, to, for the interview. Is that right? Oh yeah,
1: it was. You were awesome, and that's why I'm like, ooh, I, I should revisit oh, talking to you for my own podcast.
0: That's how I okay. That's Do really I look familiar. Okay. Yes, actually, the minute the minute you place where it was, yes, yes, I, I know exactly. That was um, it was crazy because with Days of the Dead, it's obviously very horror themed, right? Yeah, And Slimer, it, it, the character that I played, it didn't quite seem like it, it kind of fit that, that genre, that niche that was there. Yeah. But, but some of the nicest people were around there, but I just felt like a little out of place in that, in that particular convention. But, um, but I got to meet you. That was awesome. Yeah,
1: likewise. And that to me was like, again, it was one of these moments I'm Like oh, I got to meet Slimer, oh, Robin, I got to meet Robin. <laughs> You're so sweet. You're so My mom sweet. was all excited because, um, yeah. Oh. She fed my Ghostbusters obsession. So she's like, oh, you got to meet her. So that was cool. Oh. Your um, mom
0: sounds great. Your mom sounds cool.
1: Oh, well, thank you. So you then, I'm sure, you've been doing the convention circuit, meeting fans and telling your story. What's it like <laughs> to go from convention to convention and meeting fans and telling your story? Well,
0: you know, I haven't really done any conventions for a little while because of, you know, what's going on in the world right now. But it's so much fun. Um, it can be a little exhausting because mm-hmm. when you're paying attention and focused for nine hours straight, yeah, and, and not really taking a break. And and with me, if I'm at a convention and I'm meeting, I'm meeting fans of Ghostbusters. I last thing I want to do is not be there to pay attention, and mm-hmm. it would be rude if I didn't. And and so it's kind of physically and emotionally exhausting, just kind of not taking a break for nine hours and and being you know, present for, for nine hours with each person, but, yeah. but it's, it's always, it's a good tired. Like when I go home from a weekend convention, it's always, um, I, I just, I, I flop on the bed and sleep for like 14 hours, but it, <laughs> but it's always good, but I always have fun doing it too. I kind of miss it. It's going to be a little while before I'm going to do another convention. I have a feeling, yeah. Yeah. um, but, uh, maybe next year I had to cancel everything through 2021. And there's like three, I think there, I had three set up, and basically, they're all, they're all postponing. And I don't know if I feel comfortable being in a, or anyone would feel comfortable being in a crowded convention center, and even flying on a plane. It's just not something I, I want to take the chance to do right now. But as soon as it's safe, I'm probably going to be there back with the fans sometime soon. I miss it. Actually, I really
1: do. Yeah, I'm sure your fans miss you too.
0: Oh, I've kept in touch on Facebook and Instagram and, and, you know, and, and Twitter. I, I'm pretty active with uh, just, just checking in with people and chatting with people on, on those platforms so
1: yeah. they don't miss me
0: too much i'm, I'm kind of <laughs> sometimes i i bud them a little bit too so it's all good
1: one of the people i got to meet at the um days of the dead convention mm-hmm. was well i got to meet michael berryman who was awesome um okay. he was in the hills have eyes i got to meet okay. a lot of really cool people but i also got to meet your husband sean
0: yes i do you love having him around for all this stuff i adore him are you kidding me I absolutely adore him. He's he's so supportive, um, and he's a talented actor in his own right. Uh-huh. He's, a, he, he's a, an actor-writer. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, – like we have a web series. Uh, one is called Far From the Tree, and one is called Two Cops and a Car. Um, and he writes them, and he's so funny. The guy is good. I mean he's, he's very, very funny. And so I, I love kind of teaming up with him and coming up with creative things to do. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. He's, he's, he's a, a funny, talented man. That's totally supportive of what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. That was what I, what I picked up when I got to meet you guys, he was there with you and he was just having so much fun. And, uh, yes. yeah, you both, you both have a great energy and oh, thank fun you. people. I also wanted to ask you, what's it like to meet people who are my age, <laughs> our age, who watched Slimer when they were younger? But then also to uh-huh. meet their kids, like this the next generation of Ghostbusters fans. What's that like?
0: Oh, are you kidding that's my favorite. Um, meeting parents who've grown up on the franchise and, and their three, four, five, six year old that's recently gotten into it. It's it's incredible. It's it's oh. it's touching to you know I'm part of their parents' life and now their 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 kids' life. And hopefully their kids' kids' life. You know, they're gonna mm-hmm. grow up and pass it on to them too it's amazing. It's, it's, like I said, it's kind of bigger than any one actor when you're dealing with a franchise like, like Ghostbusters is, it's, it's incredible. It's a great feeling.
1: Yeah. I can't wait to get my daughter. My daughter is only 19 months old, but when she gets older, introduce her to Aww. that stuff. So. so
0: cute.
1: So you were in other movies though, besides Ghostbusters, you were in um, Beverly Hills Cops three, you were in yes. Little Rascals in some stunt capacity. What, when you do stunts, yeah. like what what kind of stuff are you doing? Like on Little Rascals?
0: On Little Rascals, I don't know if you've seen the movie that there's like a go kart race.
1: Yeah, it's little been a Rascals. long time.
0: I was Spanky in the go kart race.
1: Oh, really? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, you don't put a child in any kind of a dangerous situation. And um, I was actually, I was, yeah, I was asked to to step in and be a stunt double for for Spanky for that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I gotta be honest. I'm more of an actor than a stunt I don't consider myself a stunt woman, really. You really have to have the the heart for that and like and just love putting yourself in that
1: in danger position.
0: I'm kind of a I'm kind of a, a big I'm a big wimp. I, I really am. There are certain things that I that I'm I'm totally cool with and, and doing the go kart, no problem. I did do a film uh, called The Fantastics, which oh. um was a smaller film and I was a stunt double for Louisa. I got shot out of a cannon, but I was actually on a wire and went up to the top of the soundstage about two hundred feet. Yeah, not fun.
1: <laughs> I can't imagine it I did would it. be
0: <laughs> I did it, but it's like it's like you really have to live and breathe that. And I you know, I, I respect the people who can do some massive stunts that are are crazy. I just, I I gotta be honest, I'm definitely more of an actress.
1: What are some other like acting roles that you've done that you, besides Slimer, that you really um, enjoyed and loved?
0: That is a really good question. I think because we created it, I think um, the web series that we came up with, Far From the Tree, Uh I'm so proud of that because it kind of, the idea, the shooting, the writing, the direction, like it, it all kind of came from what we were working on. So I'm really, really, really proud of that. It's lo- loosely based on my very crazy family. Um, I love <laughs> uh-huh. them. I love them all. But it's uh-huh. like, it's it's them, you know, blown up to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think w- when it's part of you, it, that's something that you're you're blessed to do. And, and, and I'm so proud of that. I'm proud of my husband for writing it. It was kind of a cool little, with, with Far From the Tree, I had the idea. And my husband took the idea and just ran with it. And just uh, wrote some episodes and we started shooting it, so... I would have to say, I'd have to say, I'm, I'm most proud of that, to be honest.
1: Well, I'll have to watch it, and I will link it in the show notes for our yes, listeners yes. to check out as yes. well. So it's, that's um, cool. It's, it's just
0: silly, it's silly fun. The episodes are like anywhere between a minute and a half and about six minutes. So they're easy to watch. It's not uh, like you're tied to the the monitor for three hours watching it my (laughs) husband says he he writes he writes for people with add that can watch something quickly and and give back yeah check it out let me know what you think it's it's just really fun that's all it is
1: um i kind of want to circle back to earlier when you mentioned theater have you Mm -hmm. done theater since you were younger or have you done any more plays
0: i i have um i i've done a few stage readings recently probably the the show that i've done that i'm most I was most scared of and i'm most proud of it's called i love you you're perfect now change (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's good it's a musical it originated off broadway in new york basically it's a two guys two girls that play about 16 different characters throughout the show so it's almost like snl set to music about Mm -hmm. everywhere from dating to marriage to having kids to death it's the whole gamut it's such a challenge i was so afraid to do it When I got cast, I I was like, I don't think I could do this. My husband's like, if it scares you, you should do it. And I was so glad. Looking back, I learned so much. So, yeah. I I, I miss doing theater. I haven't done it for a while. And all the theaters, obviously, in L.A. are closed right now. Yeah. So it'll probably be at least into next year that I could even consider doing even a stage reading at this point. But a lot of people are doing uh, theater on Zoom. Oh. Where they're doing readings of plays where you can be invited to watch and then you'll see all the screens, all the actors. And I just watched one to kill a mockingbird actors got together and and did a stage reading on zoom. Yeah. So you can still stay creative. And I think that's the trick right now. It's like, if, if you are an actor or a writer, it's like, keep doing it. There there are ways you can still, you know, sharpen your skills and, and not get rusty. Even now, even
1: now. Oh, definitely. Um, And I have a question for you about, of course, the Ghostbusters reboot. Okay, all female Ghostbusters reboot. How did you get brought into that project?
0: This is a very funny story. So, Christmas time, 2015. I'm on the computer. It's kind of later in the evening, and I get a message on Twitter. It's Paul Feig, who I've never met. It's Paul Feig, who I didn't know. He and uh-huh. I didn't. I had no idea he really knew who I was. Asking me, I have a, a small part. Are you interested? Do you want to be part of it? Of, of the new Ghostbusters. And of course I flipped out. How could I say no to that? Please. Oh my gosh. So I found out via a message in Twitter that I was being invited to to be part of it. And of course, I couldn't say anything to anybody yeah. for a while. Until, the, until that next summer. Paul Fee, is a, I think it was a real love letter to the Ghostbusters fans. He tried to include so many elements from the other other films t- for the fans um, mm-hmm. and again talk about a gracious human being he is so sweet and so talented and um, I'm really grateful that he searched me out and uh, yeah I'll always always be grateful for that
1: well, that's a testament to how accessible you are you know just like <laughs> drop you a message on Twitter and now <laughs> you're in Ghostbusters I <laughs> again
0: help me come on. <laughs> He's puffy. He can message anyone, and they're going to pick up. Come on.
1: <laughs> That's that is so amazing, though. That just a simple Twitter message. Um, it,
0: that was it. Yeah.
1: Okay, so you're brought back into the franchise. so This time, you weren't even Slimer. Technically, you are Lady Slimer.
0: So I, I played my very own love interest. Yeah. I need therapy. I need therapy. I need therapy.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i, I I'm, I'm an actress who have played my own love interest i love it yes yeah. i played lady slimer um so ghostbusters 2 was six weeks in a hot costume shooting in front of a blue screen and and ghostbusters 2016 answer the call it was a day in an air-conditioned soundproof recording studio so it really uh, two different jobs but 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 still both of them are equally as amazing um Physically, it was so much easier to do Lady Slimer, but but voicing a character—it's um, that's a that's got its own its own challenges and 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 things that you have to do correctly while you're shooting. Um, but it was so much fun. I was so glad. Were I you like?
1: That. Did they take in your physicality at all, or did they just kind of do their own CG?
0: Yeah. Um, when I got there to they already—it wasn't all uh, fleshed out and, and and completed, but it was almost like a a, a sketch. Of the whole car sequence that i could see um and i just had to uh basically it was pretty much all done
1: did you get to meet the ladies on that cast because i think i've seen a picture of you with kate mckinnon hanging out
0: it's the same thing as ghostbusters 2 i did my work alone in a recording studio they did all theirs separately um i did meet kate at the premiere in la it was kind of like meeting bill murray she's like a comedy icon to me um so it was Amazing, she's she's so funny. I I did meet her at the at the premiere and take a selfie with her, which I almost I, I it's one of those situations I didn't even know if I should ask if I could take a picture with her. Uh-huh. But it wasn't the it wasn't the premiere. We both got to work on the same film. I I told her what I had done, and she was like, "Oh my God, come here!" And uh-huh. she she took she, she again. I you say never meet your heroes, but sometimes you meet them, and they're just as as wonderful as you wanted them to be. She's great. She was she was really sweet.
1: That's cool. And then I think I heard somewhere that you were invited to be part of the editing process or watch the editing process with Paul Feig.
0: Um, when I was done, uh, Paul Feig goes, hey, I'm, I'm editing over here. You Want to sit and watch? Do you want to hang out and, and watch? Who would not want to watch Paul Feig edit a film? Exactly. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I had an audition that I had to go to that afternoon. Oh. Every every actor loves auditions. And normally I'd be like, yay, I got an audition. And this is a day I was like, oh no, no. <laughs> oh. And it was for the, the reboot of the Gilmore girls. I had an audition that afternoon wow. and I just, uh, yeah. But the fact that he asked me if I wanted to hang out and watch, um, was just a testament again to Paul Feig and how, yeah. uh, how amazing he is.
1: That's so cool. Oh, um, so that's for me being able to see that you are, back in the role of Slimer, Lady Slimer. Aww. That that was so fun for um, for me as a Ghostbusters fan. Did you I don't I maybe I can't ask this, I don't know, but obviously Ghostbusters 3 is coming out, I believe March 2021. Were, are you involved in any way? Are you in somehow in talks with them?
0: At this point I am not. You know, I can't be greedy. Uh, you know, I've been involved in two. I should be grateful if I if I don't end up at all being part of this, I'm always hoping maybe like pick up shots or special effects, you know, shots that they might need. There's I always hold out for that hope, but yeah. at, honestly, at this time, it's that's not happening. And I'm still as excited to see it come out. Um, I I can't wait. If it does happen, oh my god, that'd be awesome. But at this point, you know, I'm just gonna yeah. enjoy it when it comes out, and I'll enjoy it as a spectator, not as a cast member this time. But I'm still yeah. extremely lucky to have been involved in two at this point,
1: anyway. That is so amazing. You get to be part of this franchise that has gone on for, what, 30 years now, and yeah, it's amazing. And um, thank you so much, I mean, as we wrap up here, thank you so much for for being Slimer, for being this amazing (laughs) character. I mean, to the extent that I'm even wearing Slimer on my shirt.
0: (laughs) I'm loving that. That's, That's seriously awesome.
1: Oh, thank you. And so many memories. Like I said, whenever I think of Ghostbusters, it's always like their Slimer, and uh, being able now, whenever I watch Ghostbusters Two and watch uh, Ghostbusters Answer the Call, know that you were um, in those films, and I got a chance to sit here and to speak with you. So thank you so much for being on my podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. You're you're a delight. You're really wonderful.
1: Okay. And then where can our listeners find you?
0: Um, you can find me on Twitter, actress Shelby. You can find me on facebook robin shelby um and instagram i believe you just type in robin shelby you'll find me there as well i always i I love hearing from fans so find me absolutely you go to Robinshelby.com. um there's also a news section that anything that's upcoming that i'm doing i try to keep that up to date um so you can always visit me there as well
1: awesome and i'll post um links to all those um social media platforms
0: oh great
1: on my show notes so well thank you so much robin it was a Thank great pleasure. You. Thank you.
0: Take care of yourself. Stay safe.
1: All right. And in this segment of our show, Ramona and I are each going to discuss um, something we're watching or listening to or reading this week that we want to share with our listeners. Uh Ramon, what do you have for us this week?
2: Currently, I am watching and this is not sponsored in any way shape or form. However, I've told my coworkers about this. Sometimes we suggest or we recommend shows and it's like, yeah, it goes in one year out the other, but this is one that I I get up on my soapbox and I tell these guys, you have to watch this. And the show is called Upload. It's an Amazon Prime show. It is Pretty much taking the some of the ideas or some of the things from the series Black Mirror on Netflix, but it's putting it into a series. And the premise of the show is it takes place in the future. Majority of cars are all self drive, self driven cars, where people just sit and they're at the whim of the vehicle. Uh, they can sleep in their car. They can do other things while the car is driving. And grocery stores are now cashierless. They're using robotic arms to scan your items and bag them for you. The, the idea of the upload is that when you die, they upload your consciousness online or into some data stream, and you go into a virtual afterlife. And it's riddled with advertisements, of course, microtransactions, which I'm curious, like how can anybody pay for that when you're dead? Like, so yeah. I'm I'm about halfway through the series. They've not answered those questions yet. However, there are some things that are really interesting that I think about when it comes to the future and like technology, like 3D printing food instead of a microwave. There's one scene that's not really spoilery or anything, but um, when being intimate, um, one of the characters asks if the person has protection and what they're referring to is not really that of the maybe contraceptive kinds, however, it's a body cam. And each of them look into each other's body cam and says, I consent to this before then performing whatever actions they want to perform after that. And with everything going That's on funny. today, all this Me Too, all these harassment claims and everything like that, it's not too far fetched to think that yeah in the in the near future, you may need video or visual consent of the action so it's it's a really interesting show i'm a sci-fi kind of buff and it's just it it ticks all the boxes for me and it's what it's one i really highly recommend uh for anybody out there who's into if you were into the series black mirror or like older shows like outer limits or gosh what's another one Twilight Twilight twilight
1: zone yeah any of those uh you'll probably be into this too I'll check it out. We have Amazon Prime, so it's on there, right? Upload?
2: Yeah. They're short episodes. And I mean it's a real it's an easy binge. However, I've been again back in school and learning something new at work. So I've been incrementally chipping away at
1: the at the show. I could see Elon Musk wanting to upload himself into a virtual (laughs) afterlife to continue to dominate the you know the vehicle industry or the what do you call it? Like the aerospace industry?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> from bar, because, because there's communication
2: between those who are uploaded and living. So it's not like you're, you're gone from – I mean you're gone from the phys- physical plane of being able to communicate with someone you know, in a physical way. However, via web chat or via text messages, like you can still communicate with people. So it's like you're gone physically, but
1: you're not gone. It's like you're a ghost, a digital (laughs) virtual ghost. Exactly. (laughs) That's crazy. I'll have to check it out. Oh, you got all kinds of great stuff for me today. Um, Well, this week I and my wife watched Hamilton on Disney (laughs) Plus. I'm like halfway (laughs) through that. Oh, so you haven't finished it yet. Yeah, but go ahead. It's, It's about two and a half hours. It's long, but it's great. So basically it's based on the book by Ron Chernow, and I read this book years ago. I fell in love with Hamilton after this book, and then I read other books on Hamilton, and I've I become very passionate about this person. And then, lo and behold, Lin-Manuel Miranda has the Broadway show Hamilton. It becomes a smash hit. He plays Hamilton, Leslie Odom Jr. He plays the notorious Aaron Burr. And what's so great about this musical is that they have people of color playing the roles that were originally experienced, I guess is the right word, by white people. (laughs) Right. So Aaron Burr is this old white guy. But in the musical, he's portrayed by uh, Leslie Odom Jr., who is a black man. So I found that so fascinating. And you see that again, with like with Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, all these characters who are white Virginian slave owners are played by um, black performers. Yeah. So that's crazy. And then the music is awesome. It's like this kind of rap. Um, I'm not good with musical genres, but mostly it's it's rap, and it's it's awesome. And the lyrics are just spit so quickly. Yeah, it's deep. I was in tears from like. The get-go, like when that first song was uh being sung. My favorite one is my shot all the way to the end when uh Hamilton does throw away his shot and he's killed by Aaron Burr in the duel. You know, Hamilton was fiercely anti-slavery, but you know, his life was a little complicated. They kind of get into his affair, and then how he was being extorted by the woman's husband and then his political opponents tried to use that against him. And so then he wrote this pamphlet basically admitting to the affair, going through the letters, and being very candid and transparent with the affair, which basically, yeah. it cleared his name, but then it also killed his political career. But he, he's this immigrant, um, which they refer to over and over again, smart, ambitious, he's very opinionated, he's not afraid to let someone know, what he thinks yeah i just i love hamilton um the historical figure and i love hamilton the musical so i encourage you to check it out and you said you're halfway through i am only because
2: i mean my kids allow me to watch certain spans of television before it's
1: their turn so (laughs) that's so true it's like (laughs) you know back in the day you could you could watch movies you could play video games what have you and then now it takes you four days to watch one movie
2: <laughs> yeah they come in and they're just like full-on attitude this is not what i want to watch and i'm like come on you guys you don't want to see hamilton and i don't know i feel like it's when do i get a turn
1: you know <laughs> come on yeah exactly <laughs> it's mom and dad's turn <laughs> yeah. yeah. dang it <laughs> That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. And thank you, Robin Shelby. You are an amazing guest. And thank you, Ramon, for being my co-host today. You listeners could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. And be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find this show. And be sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers. See ya. It's kind of hard to cheers from <laughs> miles away, but... <laughs> I know. Via, via web chat. Yeah, exactly.